Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Todd. It's an honor to be able to share this morning about a little, a few moments about what God is doing in the country of Romania. I had the opportunity of actually speaking here at your church about 20, 20 and a half years ago, I guess. So we'll have to schedule another meeting for another 20 years. You'll still be here, right? All right. Let him that glories, let him glory in the Lord, it says in 1 Corinthians 1.31. And I believe those words are taken also from Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, where Jeremiah says, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands and he knows me, that I am the Lord, which exercises loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, says the Lord. And uh, it is an honor for us, as you saw at that video, we made that back in the fall when we first got back to the States. Four weeks we'll be back in Romania ministering to these campers that we'll be having at our camp and the different ministry locations God has given us. And uh, we're excited We're excited because we have been able to see a big God. And uh, if anything else this morning, that's what I want you to be able to see from what, to, to, from what you've seen on the video and the testimonies that we'll be able to share and 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is a ministry passage that Chris and I adopted a number of years ago when we were first called into ministry and knew that we were going overseas and going to Romania. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 starts off by saying, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, you've seen a name in a bulletin this morning, and you've seen a a, a correction on an institution, our missions organization. But I come before you this morning to share with you that the ministry that you have been able to see on the screen is not the ministry of Gerald Zemer. It's not the ministry of Titus International. It's the Lord's ministry, and he's allowed us to be a part of it. Going through college, the Lord allowed us to have contact with some Romanian young people, um, myself in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Kristen at Western Baptist College out in Salem, Oregon, and her missions professor had planted churches in Romania under communism, had assisted local pastors there. And uh, the Lord put a burden on our heart for the country of Romania. We went there in 1995, 20 years ago. It does not seem possible that 20 years has passed since we... We went to Romania, but uh, um, just exciting to see how God has, has um, brought people alongside of us. Romania was a communist country up until, up until Christmas of 1989 when they took their dictator, Ceausescu, out, he and his wife, and they had a military tribunal, and they took them out and executed them. And in the beginning of 1990, Romania was open to anything that the West had to offer. And there were many good things that went in from the West. There were many negative things that went in from Western Europe and America and other places as well. But one of the things was the gospel was free to be preached. And many people responded to the gospel message in those early years after the fall of communism. We visited in 1993, moved there in 1995. And at the invitation of a gentleman that would, he had gone, he was a Romanian gentleman, had gone from a, a local church in the city of Bucharest, 3 million people, after the fall of communism, he just got on public transportation, and he would go west from, uh, east from the city of Bucharest in the county that we're working in. He went to town after town, village after village, and started proclaiming the word of God. One of the towns that he came to was the town of Fundula. A number of years later, he had planted a small church there and, and built a small building and invited us to come and work with youth and children. We began doing that. We brought a, young, a group of young people from Bucharest that we were able to disciple and involve in ministry with us on the weekends. And uh, it's been neat to see how God has worked in the lives of those young people and um, we've had 17 young people from our, our ministry that have gone to study at Word of Life in Hungary. And our 17th is there right now. And it's just been neat to see how these young people who were 14, 15, 16 years old, some of them are now some of the pastors that you saw up here on the screen this morning, who out of our little church have gone and are planning churches and are leading ministries. And it's neat to see how God has done that 
But one of the places that we were invited to come and minister was the town of Pandula, a town of 7,000, about 20 minutes outside of Bucharest. And we got to this town, and we were using the town cultural center and had youth meetings and children's meetings. And, man, a lot of kids were coming. A lot of people were getting saved. And we were discipling these young people. We were excited what God was doing. And uh, one Sunday, the mayor, the vice mayor showed up and kicked us out of the cultural center. He said, well, this, this is reserved for cultural events only. The local priest got upset is what happened. And uh, this is reserved for cultural events. And so we, we had to move ourselves from the cultural center, which was a decent-sized building, back to our little church building, which was 15 by 32 feet. And that's smaller than the stage. And, uh, but we, over the next year, continued doing that, and the Lord continued to bless. And uh, we began ministering there through the local church in that town. And uh, one Sunday, the gentleman that was, had started that little ministry, he came and he says, Gerald, listen, he says, I have a, a request of you. He says, you know, there's three adults here this morning. There's about 40 teenagers, and there's a whole bunch of children. Would you... Would you mind? Would you like to preach today? I think it'd be more fitting. So I prayed about that and started preaching through the book of John over the next month. And uh, um, he came back a month later and said, listen, I'm in these three or four other villages. And, you know, the main ministry here is these teens. Why don't you remain here as the pastor of this church? And I said, prayed about that. And the Lord gave us peace to do that. And we began to work more involved in the church in that, in that little town. Over the next year, we saw the Lord add to our church body about seven adults. And so we had ten adults that were coming to our church and uh, a number of teens and a number of children that would come. And it just neat to see how God was working. And uh, one Sunday morning, this lady raised her hand and she said, I'd like to request prayer for a family here in town. Their son drowned last night. I said, well, definitely pray for this, the family. What's the family's name? She said, Utsika. I said, what's the young man's name? She said, Gigi. When she said that young man's name, I said, I know that young man. One year ago, after one of our youth meetings, he sat on this stage and talked to one of our young men, Felix, and prayed to receive Christ as his Savior. We heard the words, the outward expression of his faith, the Lord knows his heart. Over the course of the year between, we hadn't seen a great life change. I had met with him a few times, I had talked with him, but now a year has passed and he has drowned. And he had come to our youth meeting as a result of a young lady who had been, we had been discipling in our youth ministry. A young lady who had grown up not going to school, didn't know how to read, taught herself to read by reading the Word of God. And she had run away and eloped with this young man. And then she had brought him to church. He had accepted Christ the years past and he is drowned. So we decided, listen, let's try to reach out to this young lady and try to minister to her. And going and meeting this young lady once again and talking with this young, this young man's family, I asked the father, I said, is there anything that we can do to help you? The father looked at me and said, I haven't found my son's body yet. It's still in the lake. Now in Romania, in the middle of February, we're basically upper state New York, Canada. That's, where, that's how far north we are on the other side. We're very cold. I found a diver. Brought the diver in for three days, looked at this young, young man's body, couldn't find it. Finally, on Thursday of that week, the father was a welder by trade, took a bunch of rebar and welded some big hooks and drugged the lake and found his son's body. Family didn't have money to buy a casket. I was able to buy a pine lumber and take it to a carpenter, and he formed a pine box, and they took it home, and they kept the body of Gigi in their home because there's no funeral homes in the town that we live in in Romania. And they were going to have the funeral on Sunday. And we'd gotten to know the family a little bit that week. And so we said, listen, let's postpone our church service. And on Sunday, rather than go and have our service, we'll go to this funeral. After the funeral, we'll come back and have our service. So we showed up there. The Orthodox priest was there in one room doing the ritual that he would do on the body of Gigi. And the family was in another room. I was invited to come in and talk with the family. And so I got in there. And what do you share at a time like that with a family? You know, it's just God has a special plan for your life. I don't know why this happened. But God, God would love to... For you to experience his peace in this situation in your life. Asked if I could pray with them. They said, sure. And so I I prayed. And when I got done praying, someone behind me said, amen. Now, for you and I, that's something normal because we've grown up saying amen at the end of our prayer since we were little little children. But for an Orthodox individual to know to say amen at at the end of an evangelical prayer, it's not something they would practice or do. They would do the sign of the cross or other rituals, but they would not say amen. 
So I turned around to see who this was that had said amen in this room. And as I turned around to look, it's the uncle of this young man, Gigi. And he looked at me when I turned around and he said, Preacher, I've decided I'm going to repent. You have to understand something, Romania. If you ask the average person on the street, are you a Christian? They'll all say, well, of course I'm a Christian. I was born into an Orthodox family. I was baptized as a baby. I was Christianized. Therefore, I'm a Christian. So to differentiate between the Orthodox Christians and the Evangelical Christians in Romania, they call us repenters because we stress repentance is necessary for salvation. That man knew that much of the gospel message that day. He looked at me and said, Preacher, I've decided I'm going to repent. Well, he didn't much get those words out of his mouth, and his wife from the other corner of the same room started yelling at him. Don't tell that man you're going to repent. You can't do it. You're too bad. You smoke, you drink. And she went through his long list of dirty laundry right there in front of all of us. So I'm trying to hold the peace at this funeral and say, listen, you're all more than welcome to come to our church. We would love to show you from God's word how you can understand repentance, know what it's about, how you can have peace with God. We followed the funeral procession out through town, went down to the cemetery, had the burial of this young man, went back and had our service. Met with the family again that week. And the following Sunday, we started up our church service. And about 15 minutes after we started, the back doors opened up, and that man walked in with about 15 relatives. Filled up our little church that day. 15 by 32 feet. Y'all, that's not very big. But that man met Christ, and his life was changed. For the next month, when he would come home, his wife told us later, I would sit outside on that little bench outside our fenced-in yard on our dirt road, and when I'd see my husband coming down the road, I'd start yelling. Not to him, but about him to the neighbors. Look at my husband. He's a repenter. My husband went to that little evangelical church over there, and he's different. He's changed. She just witnessed, and she didn't know it. But she had seen a change in his life, and she gave him a hard time for a month. About, about a month passed by. She knew it was real, and she said, Nicku, are you going to church tomorrow? She said, you know, he said, you know, I am. She said, can I go too? He said, sure. She came. She got saved. So she's going, and she's working for the neighbors across the street, taking care of their two young sons, cleaning their house, preparing their food while the parents are away at work. She starts telling them all about this little, this little evangelical church she went to. She invites them to come. The boys come, they get saved. The mother comes, she gets saved. We start praying for the father. Easter Sunday comes around and it starts to rain in our little town. Dirt road, remember? The, fathers, the, the boys went to the, went to the dad and said, Dad, will you please drive us to church? It's raining outside. We don't want to get muddy. Will you please drive us and drop us off? He thought, in his mind, he told me later, he said, Gerald, I thought for sure their mother put him up to it. I told him 20 times in that car ride on from our house to the church, two miles, I'll take you and drop it off, but I'm not going in. Car pulls up outside. I see who gets out of the car. I know who we've been praying for. So I walk over and introduce myself. He rolls the window down. I said, Peter, my name's Gerald Zemer. Your wife and sons and I have been praying you'd come to church. Wouldn't you like to come today? He looks up at me. He's wearing like a jogging sweatsuit. You know, he's like, uh, sure. He parks his car and he pulls in. He comes in. He gets saved. That's our first deacon at Hope Baptist Church. You saw right there in Fundula. Well, he got excited about what was going on. He invited his sister and her husband and they came. They got saved. That's our second deacon. That's the man that planted our church in the town of Sinestra right there that you saw on the screen. Well, he got excited about what was going on, and he brought his brother and that brother's wife. They came and they got saved. That's the brother with five, sister, with five children that you saw up here that planted our church in Florida most recently. And one after another, these people came and they met Jesus Christ, and their lives were changed. They didn't have a deep theological seminary understanding of Scripture at that point, but they knew one thing. If God changed me, he can change anybody. And if you think about John 3.14, John 3.14 says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. If you think about that Old Testament story with the children of Israel, and you know, you remember those children of Israel, right? Kind of like us, right? But ever grateful, always thankful, wonderful, for, thankful for God's provision, you know? We're not eating manna again today. You know, start whining and complaining, what does God do? I'm going to send some snakes in among you guys. You know, people start getting bit by snakes and dying. That'll get your attention. You know, three or four people here this morning, snakes come in. Well, that would wake us all up, wouldn't it? Keep sleeping, that's fine. Uh, 
What happened in children of Israel? Remember what they did? The people start dying. They go to Moses. Moses, we sinned. We got a problem. You got to go to God. He goes to the Lord. The Lord says, Build a, put a serpent on a brass pole, a brass serpent. And people come and look at it. They're going to be healed by that magical serpent, right? No, that, that was a little bit later when they started worshiping that brass serpent. Remember that? No, this is what happened. He said, no, by faith and obeying what I told you to do, the people are going to be healed. Now imagine if there's a family over here and a family over here. Somebody's been bitten in this family by a serpent and they're about to die. And they heard about so-and-so over here that went and looked at the serpent and they're healed. What's going to be the reaction of the family members of the person that's been bit right here? They're going to insist that that person come and look at this. That's what we had the opportunity of living in the formation of our church in the town of Fundu. God began to work. And these people, they said, no, you've got to come. You've got to see. You've got to experience this. God has changed my life. And you need to come too. Never forget, had the opportunity of walking one of our baptismal services from our church down to the river. And as we're walking, it's about a two and a half mile walk down there. And it takes us a time period. But I, people that are getting baptized symbolically wear a white robe to represent the new and clean life God has given them. We're walking through town and we're singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. When we leave church, about 150, 175 people will get down to the water's edge. And there will be another 50 people that joined us along the way. We'll get down there. And I remember one day I was walking beside a man who had been radically changed. This man was a prime candidate for repentance. Not, not that none of us are. He had met Christ. He, this man was an alcoholic. This man had spent time in prison. This man had broken into the mayor's house to steal a keg of whiskey. His nickname was the tongue for the vile, foul and vile language that he used. One day his daughter was walking home from school in a rainstorm. She got home and said, Mom, I saw a man laying in the ditch and he had his face down in the mud and he was wearing daddy's jacket. Was that little girl's father? The mother went and drugged that man home. She was a member of our church. Well, that man met Christ and his life was changed. Walking through town singing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I was standing beside him, walking beside him. And we passed some apartment blocks in the little town that we, that we minister in. And as we passed the little apartment block, someone up on the balcony recognized that man. And if I had a picture to take a, take a picture, a camera to take a picture of that person's face, it's an image I will never forget. That person realized who was out there, who was getting baptized. He knew who we were. And his name was Valentine, Valley for short. We called him that. Man just yelled out and said, Valley, you, you've repented. Didn't miss the beat. He said, yes, I have. You need to come too. His life was changed. We've had the opportunity in our little church once we began in Romania, according to the reigning constitution, you have to have 21 local mem- members in a local church to be an autonomous local church. We passed that threshold and one of my men came to me and said, Brother Gerald, would it be okay now that we're a local church if, if we planted a church somewhere? I said, I think that's a great idea to have any places in mind. He says, well, I've been, we've been witnessing in the market where we sell our vegetables. And as we've been talking to people and witnessing them about the Lord and teaching them the scripture, he said, they've invited us to come to their homes in the town of Sinesh and teach them the Bible. Do you think that would be a good place to start? I said, I think that's a great place, but let me ask you a question. Has God placed that burden on your heart? He said, yes, God has called me to do this. He went to the town of Sinesh and built our church and formed our church that we have there meeting today. One after another, people... God has put the burden on people's heart in our church for the areas around us and towns around us, their family and their friends that live in different towns and villages. The county that we live in in Romania has 144 cities, villages, and towns. 122 of them have no evangelical witness whatsoever. You've got four or five churches right here within a couple hundred meters. 122 towns, cities, and villages in the county I live in that have no evangelical witness whatsoever. The need is great. The need is great. We have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. 
The Lord gives us encouragement. The Lord allows us to see fruit. And man, that is so, that is so incredible. We're called to be faithful. We're called to plant. We're called to water. He's the one that gives the increase. But I tell you what, when you're involved in ministry and the Lord allows you to see that increase, man, that just encourages you. That lifts you up. Not all the towns that we go to were where we see. Think of a town of Colchester. We went there a couple years ago. And as we went to this town of Colchester, we got there and we began ministering. And we were planning to go seven weeks just to see if the Lord opened up a door for us. After about three weeks, there were 50 people waiting there on Sunday afternoon to meet with us. Willing to talk with us. Willing to take New Testaments from us. Willing to let us pray with them. The fourth week we showed up, there was no one there. The priest had come through town and warned everybody about these evangelicals. They're a cult. They're a sect. Don't talk to them. They're trying to trick you. We showed up the next week and nobody was there. We went back and said, listen, we'll go again next week. If no one's there, we'll put up in groups of two and just canvas the town and see if there's anything for us. If not, Lord, we'll know that you have something. We show up the fifth week and there was no one there. We finally broke up and one of my men and myself went over a couple streets and up a couple blocks and found a group of seven women. As we got, found this group of seven women that were sitting there, they didn't want to speak with us. And finally, they, they, one of them blurted out, well, we know all about you guys because the priest came and warned us about you guys. He told us who you are. You're a cult. You're a sect. You know, la, la. And we tried to converse with them and said, is there something from the word of God that we've shown you that's not there? Not true. And as we shared, got nowhere in that conversation, and it finished like this. The lady, one of the ladies looked at us, and she said, you know what? She said, I'm 60 years old. And she said, in the 60 years I've lived on this earth, I've never heard anything like what you guys are talking about. She said, even if we're wrong, go away and leave us alone. This is how we were born. This is how we died. Man, as I turned to walk away that day, my heart was heavy. First of all, for the fact that in, the fact that in 60 years, no one had been to this little town to tell this lady the simple gospel message that Jesus Christ had a plan for her life. And the second thought that entered my mind as I walked away was the words of Jesus Christ when he said, if you go to such and such a town, when he sent the disciples out two by two, and if they don't, they don't receive your message, what are you supposed to do? Shake the dust off of your feet and go on to the next town. And you know what? That took on a huge new meaning for me that day because when the Lord Jesus Christ said those words, I don't think it was said in any sort of way of, ha ha, I'm done with you. I tried. How do I know that? Because the Lord Jesus Christ died for those people in Polchesh, that little town near Fundula, just like he died for each one of us here this morning. He loves each one of them, them as much as he does each one of us here this morning. Why is that possible? It's because verse 3 and 4 says, If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel, who is the image of Christ, should shine unto them. Had the opportunity of ministering in the town of Florica. You saw the recent building that we just, we just finished up last year there in Florica. Had our first baptism. And we're excited about what God is doing in this town. We were there doing ministry one summer and for a, for a week-long evangelistic activity. In the morning, we would have programs with the children, afternoon with the teens, evening a, a rally where we invite people to come and listen to singing and message uh, from the Word of God and testimony of how God had changed people's lives. As we showed up that, that week, there was a, a situation where a lady who had attended our church two months earlier had accepted Christ in that little room that you saw right there on the screen. The week that we showed up, her husband had beaten her. She was eight months pregnant, lost the baby that night. On Wednesday of the week we were there, she lost her life. Friday night I stood beside her casket in her front room and I met her sister who was a repenter from the town of Valle Argove, another town that you saw here on the screen. That sister looked at us and said, you know what, brothers, people used to come to our town and teach us the Bible, but nobody's been in like eight or nine months. Can you guys send someone? Can you guys come and can you teach, or can, can you come and teach us the word of God? As we walked out that night, I was with my pastor, John, 
who was our pastor who planted a church in Sinesh, and we walked out, he said, Brother Gerald, he said, I haven't told you this, but for some time the Lord's been pressing upon my heart that he has a new place of ministry for me. Not that everyone in the town of Sinesh just saved, but David is there and can run that ministry. But I believe God has spoken to me tonight and called me to this town. The next night we had our last meeting. And after we were finished with our meeting, the, the local Orthodox priest from this town came. He had attended most of our meetings that, that week. Not attended, he'd come to disrupt them, but we had permission from the mayor to be there. And as we were standing there getting ready to leave, I was having a conversation with a little 11-year-old girl. And that little 11-year-old girl named Claudia was looking at me and she told me, she said, Brother Gerald, I'm not going to be able to go back to school. She said, I'm going to have to get a job so that I can buy food and clothes for my little brother and my little sister. It was an 11-year-old daughter of that lady who had been murdered that week by her husband. And I looked at that little girl, Florida, I said, Florida, if you want to finish college, I promise you God's people will take care of you. We'll find money for you to buy clothes and food, everything you need, and books for school. She said, Brother Gerald, I wouldn't go to, I, wouldn't, I said, if you want to finish college, we'll find money. She said, I wouldn't want to go to college. Nobody in my family has ever been past the eighth grade. I said, Florida, you keep loving Jesus. And I'd had a conversation with the priest during the middle of that week. And you have to understand, in Romania, even if the priest, the person of the priest is not a person worthy of respect, when he puts on the robe, the people respect the robe. So this priest came out there that night. He'd found a book of church history about that thick. And he was all excited because he'd found the Baptist in the book of church history. And he wanted to explain that to me. He wanted to see that. And he came out there, and I talked to him on Wednesday night about 45 minutes, and then this is Saturday night. And when he comes out there Saturday night, he has this book of church history. And he wants to show me that, you know, we're only so many years old. The evangelical church, the Protestant church is only so many years old. The Orthodox church is 2,000 years old. So we're 2,000 years old. We're older, we're better. And he just keeps going on and on and on and on with we're older, we're better, we're older, we're better. And so finally I stopped him. I said, sir, I have a question for you. This little girl right here in front of us, do you know who this is? He stops, looks at her and says, oh, oh, you're Vandana's daughter. I said, yeah, can you explain to me what happened in her family this week and her, her life? He said, well, her mother died and we had to bury her this morning. I said, no, her mother didn't die. Explain the situation to me. He says, well, her father, you know, he had a, a bad episode is kind of the word he used. I said, no, her father didn't have an episode. Her father went to an evangelical, a spiritual event. We'll put it that way. Spiritual event in your church. He went to the baptism of a child in your church. He got drunk at that baptism. He went home and beat this little girl's mother, and this little girl's mother died, and this little girl's brother died. Explain to this little girl why your church is so much better than what we're trying to show her from the Word of God. And he got quiet. I was able to discuss with him the significance of infant baptism as compared to believer's baptism as I see in the Word of God, which we practice during our church. I said, What's the, I said sir, I see, the, I see the result of infant baptism in your church in this situation this week in this town. I said, what's the significance of it? He looked at me and he says, well, we teach that the waters of baptism wash away the child's sins. I said, well, that's amazing because my Bible says in 1 John 1.7 that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. He looked at me and he says, I know that's what the Bible says, but we say. I know that's what the Bible says, but we say. If you ask the average person in Romania, are you a Christian? Of course I'm a Christian. Very religious, but lost. We see in those verses, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. We have the opportunity... Verse 7, it says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have this wonderful privilege, this honor of taking the word of God to these people in Romania who have never heard. They'll know about religion. Historically, they'll know that Jesus Christ is alive. If you go to the average person on the street after Easter for the next month and say, Jesus Christ is risen, they will look at you and say, yes, he is risen indeed. Historically, they know the facts. 
but they don't have a personal relationship. God has placed us there. We're so thankful for the opportunity of being there and serving. Um, we would ask that you pick up one of our prayer cards and, and, and pray for our family. Also, the, the locations by name where God is doing a work in the little towns of Fundula. And also pick up one of our brochures from our camp. Um, I don't have a couple minutes just to talk about our camp. But uh, what an opportunity. Children that have nothing of this world's value to be able to take those children to camp for a week. We show up at camp and before the bus is almost stop they're already off the bus and running up the hill and you're you know wait 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 you guys get your luggage you got to carry it up the hill and they're running along with a little plastic bag with a pair of shorts and a t-shirt in it no brother Gerald I got my luggage it's going up the hill to be able to put 15 good meals in front of those children to be able to let them sleep in a nice bed for five days all by themselves because back home there's three or four or five brothers in one bed but more exciting than that is just having the opportunity of sharing the love of Christ with those children listening to them sing, listening to them quote scripture, teach them the Bible stories. We've had the privilege of hosting many churches that have brought groups over. And uh, challenge your church this morning, put a group together, bring them to Romania, teach them, run a VBS-style program for 60 children for a week. I've heard all the excuses already that you've just popped in your mind. I don't know the language. I don't know. Just sharing the love of Christ with these kids. We had a pharmacist friend who reads medical missions trip once a month all over the world. She's from Alabama. She came to Romania. We did three or four days of medical missions. Then we did a week of camp. We get up to camp. And this lady, you have to understand, when these medical missions trip, she has got it down to the science. I mean, she knows what stations, and she knows everything perfectly. We got up to camp the first day, and I saw her kind of wandering, wandering around like, you know, the deer in the headlights. Look. I said, Deidre, what's going on? She's like, Gerald, I've got to say something. I, I, I've never been to camp. I've never worked at camp. I don't, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I was like, well, Deidre, you just got to love on these little kids. I said, okay. First night, sitting there. First meeting. First Bible lesson. Little four-year-old boy sitting beside her. Four-year-old boy was the little brother of the little girl I told you about whose mother had been murdered. Took those three little kids to camp every time I, every time I get a chance. He was a little young for the age group that week, but he's sitting there beside Deidre, and about halfway through the service, he starts weaving and bobbing and nodding. So what does Deidre do? Deidre's 50-some years old, never been married. She takes that little boy, and she holds him in her lap. He falls asleep on her. So the meeting's over. Everybody, all the kids are up, and they're mingling around and getting ready to go out, and Deidre's still sitting there holding this little boy for now. Walk over and say, Deidre, how's that working for you? You don't know what to do at camp. He's like, well, he, 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 was, he was tired. Now, you know, it's... What an awesome opportunity to take these children to camp, share the love of Christ with them, the place that we're ministering. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, in these frail human bodies that we indwell. Why? So that I'll leave here this morning, you'll say, oh, wow, look at that. No, so you look and you see a big guy. If anything else, that's what I want you to see this morning is through the video or through the testimonies that you'll see a big God. God is at work. God is doing great things. You guys are running into issues here with space, with parking, with other things. You know, you know the American philosophy. If a building is 80% full, is that right? You've got to build a new building. It's the same in Romania. If your building's about 130% full, you've got to build a new building. We had a 15 by 32 foot building. We had about 130 people in. And God has given us a new building, praise the Lord. But, hey, 
I just want to challenge you this morning and share with you that we serve a big God. He's alive. He's working. He's changing lives. And we would definitely ask that you pray for us in the ministry there in Romania. We're honored to serve him. Honored to be here this morning. Thank you so much, Brother Todd. Let's pray together. Lord, we're unworthy in and of ourselves to stand before you. We're unworthy to to, to minister. But Lord, you have seen fit in your grace and your mercy to give us the opportunity to serve you here on this earth. Lord, may Sebring, Florida be changed for eternity because of the lives and the ministry of this church and the lives of the people that are members. Lord, may the country of Romania be changed forever because we have had the opportunity of ministering and living there. And Lord, we ask that in a special way you would continue to bless this ministry, Pastor Todd, the elders. Lord, as they move forward, as we move forward, may you help us to be faithful. We pray these things in Jesus' name.